Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God, and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Welcome. Welcome to the porch. As the announcement said, I'm Richard Grunt. I've been him all day long, and I will continue to be him for the rest of the day and maybe for the rest of the week. Who knows? Maybe I'll be somebody else. But right now, I'm here, and we're here to talk about the power of love, and I'll be more clear on that in a little while. But we always start out with uh, praise reports and prayer requests. But remember, we are on YouTube on the Firefall Network. There are videos up there, testimonies, uh, various things to share with you and encourage you. So make sure you go there, subscribe to us, and if you see anything you like, click that like button. This is the community part where I start out with praise reports and prayer requests and any announcements. If you don't want to be a part of that, just go to the sound of the second shofar and write into the Bible study. So I praise the Lord always, always, always for my salvation and uh, This Bible study has really, really um, forced me to think about that. I always do. I talk about it a lot, as you well know. But uh, I, I am thankful for his love. I am thankful that he loved me even when I was incredibly unlovable. Thank him for giving me back the family I discarded, my wife and my sons and my daughter in laws that I now have and our grandchild, our grandson, uh, our furry kids. We are all part of a family. We're his family, and then he gives each one of us family. And I have been blessed. I have been extremely, extremely blessed. Thankful for all of you, my extended family. Some of you I've become very close to. Others I am getting to know. And some of you that hang out in the background and don't interact. And I know there are a lot of you because I see the downloads. Feel free to write us. Go to the porch at firefalltalkradio.com. Go on to the Facebook sites or the social media sites for Firefall Talk Radio. Reach out to us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have a need, a prayer request, a praise report, anything. We are a community of believers all around the world coming together to arise and be the remnant and prepare for the return of the King. 
So therefore, I praise him for his provision and his protection over each and every one of us, the dreams, the visions, uh, the things being fulfilled right before our eyes. I praise him for the healing virtues and the availability we have to him in prayer, for his divine abiding favor, for the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Boy, I couldn't make it without the Holy Spirit walking with me each and every day. I thankful, I am thankful, can't speak, but I am thankful that I am a new creation and not who I used to be, and I have hope. So therefore we pray, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. Remember, when he comes back, he's not coming back to America. He's not coming back to anywhere else but Jerusalem. He's going to land in Jerusalem. His temple will be in Jerusalem. And that's where we will go every year for the Feast of Tabernacles to celebrate with the king. So we pray for their peace. May they prosper who love you. Pray for America. Boy, do I pray for America. We need his help. We need his grace. We need miracles. We need him. I pray for all the people out there that are brothers and sisters in the Lord, and even those that aren't, that are being victimized by their leadership as we march on to the end of days, as this train travels down the track, down the tracks without brakes and without anybody driving it. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the poor in spirit, the innocents, and those that are victims of injustice, for our brothers and sisters around the world, both Jewish and believers, who are being persecuted and slaughtered for their faith. read about one in Open Doors USA, a Hindu in India, who found Yeshua and gave his life to him and lost everything. His wife left him and remarried someone else. His family has ostracized him, but he said he will not turn back. Boy, do we have it easy here. Praying for the missing and exploited children, the ones that survived the womb, the ones that survived the atrocities going on in this world. They've been taken. They've been victimized. They've been put into sex trafficking, human trafficking. Please, please join with me every day when you pray to pray for them and against those that do it and that they would be exposed and brought to justice. Pray against the growing religious persecution going on around the world. We are watching the prelude, the opening act for the Antichrist to appear. The, the unrest in the world, I believe, as I said to my wife today, is being set up for a worldwide agitation, possibly even people rising up, that out of that will come the man of peace, the son of perdition. And after that, I believe the church will be taken out of here. But until then, I pray for our divine protection, our inspiration, for us to be healed, to be whole, to live out our divine design, to do kingdom business, the Father's business. I pray for the remnant alarm clock, to awaken all who are called, and if you're awake, do something about it. If you can support people like us, then do so. You can pray. You can tell others. You can witness. Praying for kingdom finances, kingdom business, to do what needs to be done, to shed the light. Shed, shed. Woo. Boy, I'm hit early, folks. 708, and the spirits hit me. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I've been praying all day. I've been praising all day. The Lord's been visiting with me all day. So let's see if I can hold it together. So I am praying for us to be about his business, to set the captives free. I want to live out Luke 4.18, and I want to prepare the way for the return of the king. And that means our lost family members coming into the kingdom, getting saved, healed, and delivered. Right now, lift up their name. Lift them up in your mind. Speak out their name as I pray. We call you into the kingdom of God. We say, be set free from the kingdom of darkness. Be set free from the bondage that holds you. Be set free from the wounds of other Christians and believers that have hurt you. Don't judge God by them. Come home. Come into the arms of a loving Savior. Be reunited with your heavenly Father. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Praying for the community at large. No individual ones, but a lot of things going on with a lot of people. You know, I have offered to give you the list of the names I mentioned, and only one person has asked for it. When I mention them each week, go back through the through the Bible studies and get their names. But there are people that are committed to this community that are going through marital issues, family issues, pet issues, Uh, financial issues, they are struggling, and they need your love, your prayer, and your support. So, Father, we come to you right now on behalf of all those people, no matter what it is, hurt, sick, depressed, anxious, needing your presence, needing your arms wrapped around them. That's what this is all about, Dad, Abba. It was about your love for us was so great. You weren't, you weren't going to let it end with what Adam did. You weren't going to let Satan get away with it or the fallen watchers in Genesis 6 get away with it because you loved us too much. I pray that they would know that love, that they would know you. To do that, I pray that they would know Yeshua the way I do. As my Lord, as my Savior, my Master, my teacher, my brother, my friend, my everything. Lord, what you did on the cross, what you endured, the price you paid, the love that let you do it, I thank you for that. I pray that everyone would know it, that they would know you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch them, would fill them, would open their eyes, their hearts, their soul, and their spirit, that they would be filled with you, with both the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, that they would understand this word, that they would get up each day excited because it's another day with you until the day comes that we can walk in your presence and hear your voice and see you face to face. Get that hug that touch, that look. We long for that. All creation groans for it. So we pray for it now. We pray that you'd bless the technology. We pray that you'd have your way, Holy Spirit. Do whatever it is you want to do tonight. You've already begun. We thank you. We believe. And we receive. And if you agree with me, just say amen.
These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information and the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Well, as you can see, it might be a little emotional. Might, might, who knows what's going to happen? As I said, this, this Bible study, study can't even talk. This Bible study started yesterday so that I had all day to sit with the Lord and pray. And I, as you know, I like to name the Bible study in such a way that it covers the gamut of what I wanted to talk about. And so when I named it The Power of Love, I knew that many people like myself would suddenly remember the song from 1985 by Huey Lewis and the News from the movie Back to the Future. No, it's not that power of love. It's a whole better, whole lot better power of love. I've already started talking about it. It started in the Garden of Eden. It started when Yeshua was born in Bethlehem. It started on the cross in the empty tomb and then got infused by the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, we saw what that love did. The Holy Spirit began to build something. We call it a church. That's us, not the building you sit in. If you get anything from your time on the porch, is to remember, you are the church. A living entity, a spiritual organism. The church is alive. That's why it's not a building. That's why Hasatan wanted to convince people it was a building. It's a place. It's inert. No, it's alive. It's us, a community of believers, a family. That feeling of community, connected by the Holy Spirit, inspired growth and action. But it was fueled by love. Every effort, every action of the Book of Acts Church was inspired by and guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, first thing that happened was religious tradition and the religious spirit of the day, which, by the way, is still very active and prevalent today, and man-made corruption, which began immediately, tried to set in and knock it off track. But the Holy Spirit pushed back. We saw that in Acts 5 with the selfishness and deceit of Ananias and Sapphira's heart being exposed and the Holy Spirit making an example of that. He did it to protect the church. Now why? Why did he have to do that? Because that kind of selfishness and self-centeredness has got us to where we are today. It takes wholehearted devotion to the Lord and to His church. They knew it was vital to their survival. And I've been impressed by the Lord to take us back to basics. We talked about the cross, and now we're talking about the love. It was the power of love, 
not a power of love, but the power of love, his love for them and their love for him that fueled their efforts. And for three years, they saw and heard the message of love from the Lord. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. I'll give you a clue. I might be starting with verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons and I'll add daughters of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son, S-U-N, rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. You should love your neighbor, your fellow man. Be unselfish. Seek the best for them. And in doing so, you show that you're a child of God. Now that word hate has always been misunderstood, especially from a biblical perspective. The Webster's Dictionary definition of hate is to dislike greatly, to have a great aversion to. It expresses less than abhor, detest, and abominate unless pronounced with a peculiar emphasis. But in Scripture, it simply means to hate someone by loving them less than you should. That's all it is. When you love someone less than you should, according to the Lord, that's hate. Hate is natural to the human spirit. We know in Titus chapter 3, starting with verse 3, they make it very clear. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Messiah Yeshua our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Being hateful was our old nature. But the Lord's instruction about love and about living in the kingdom of God is right there in the Word. It's red letter basics. When one of the scribes in Mark 12 come to him and ask him which is the first commandment of all, Yeshua answered them and said, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second one like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment 
greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Well said, Rabbi, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Yeshua saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared question him. What he was saying is, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with everything that is within you, and you love your neighbor as yourself, You're really near to the kingdom of God. But to get into the kingdom of God, you must enter through him. You must enter through his doorway. You must enter through his gate. And that's what that scribe was missing. In Matthew 22, he says basically the same thing. But he says on these two commandments about loving the Lord your God and your neighbor, hang all the law and the prophets. See, his ministry was built on the Father's love. It was birthed literally out of the Father's love. When you look at John chapter 3, scriptures we, cre- we quote repeatedly, but I don't think we ever listen to the words. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, not the globe, not the terrestrial world, but the people of the world, that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. Listen to verse 17, please, some of you. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is, to initiate the final judgment of the world. But that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one alone who can save him. This is the judgment. That is the cause for the indictment, the test by which all people are judged. And this is the basis for their sentence. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. From the garden, through Genesis 6, all the way up to Calvary, mankind... Love darkness more than light, 
But when the light, the person of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, came into the world as the light of the world, as the manifestation of God's love, people were given a choice. They were given an opportunity to love someone else. This act of the Father's was about restoration of the Father to his children because of his love. Romans 5.8 But God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. Jumping down to verse 11, Not only that, but we also rejoice in God, rejoicing in his love and perfection through our Lord Jesus the Messiah, Adonai, Yeshua, HaMashiach, through whom we have now received and enjoy our reconciliation with God. See, rejection is the result of the feeling, the absence of love. That's what rejection is. I was rejected by my earthly father that helped participate in my birth. That's about as far as I will take that title for him. He walked out when I was six. He never looked back. And that rejection stirred the seeds inside me that the enemy took advantage of. And the love I sought and the love I needed could only come through accepting Yeshua as my Lord and Savior, so that I could finally feel the love of my Abba Father to heal my wounded, broken heart. And he gave me a new heart, his heart. He's my father. Not the earthly father who participated in my birth, but my heavenly father. I am born from above. See, later on in Romans 8, Paul continues this discussion of love. And as I read this, I know that many of you out there, you don't really understand what I'm talking about. You listen, you desire, but you really don't understand the love I'm talking about. Because if you did... So the ripple effect, the domino effect in your life would show it. Who shall ever separate us from the love of Messiah? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor Things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. 
and I'll add natural or supernatural, will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. You are loved by God through what the Lord did on the cross. And that love is inside of us due to the Holy Spirit being inside of us. The the love I'm talking about, passionately talking about, is vital to the community that we're a part of. And I don't mean just the porch community. I mean the church, the community of believers around the world, like that gentleman in India who was willing to sacrifice it all. It's vital to serving him. And it can only come from the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. First Peter 3, eight. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. First John 3.11 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And this is his commandment, 1 John 3.23, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus the Messiah, and love one another as he gave us commandment. We have been commanded by the Lord himself to love And First John, and John being the writer, and the, the, everything of him is about love. His gospel's about love. His letters are about love. He was the one who loved the Lord the most, I would probably say. Wherever the Lord was, he was. And wherever the Lord went, he took John. Even though John ran in the garden, he showed up at the trial to be there for Yeshua. He was there at the foot of the cross. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's 1 John 4, 7. And then in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let your love be sincere. Let it be a real thing, not fake. Not something you have to force. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness. But hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Giving precedence and showing honor to one another. That's Romans 12, 9 through 10. That word hold fast means cling to, cleave. Be cemented to or glued to. It's the scripture about cleaving. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become flesh. That cleave, the two become flesh. The glued to, 
They're cemented together. We cling to him and we love him with all of our hearts because our hearts are one with him, the one. Now very quickly, there are four Greek words used for love in the New Testament. The highest form of love is agape love. It's self-sacrificial love. It involves an act of will whereby one seeks the best for another. And we know agape love is God's love for us. The Greek word philos, which means affectionate regard toward a friend or family member, is derived the derived form Philadelphia, which is brotherly love. Then philos storgos is devoted love shown to family or an affection, translated as kindly affectionate in one verse. verse. It's the love between members of God's family. And one type of love, which does not occur in the New Testament at all, is eros, which is physical love. And it does not appear in the New Testament. So that anybody who tries to tell you that that kind of behavior or that kind of love is biblical and scriptural. And thank you for playing. Pick up your parting gifts on the way out. Wrong answer. God's love is unselfish. It's loyal. It's benevolent. It's a commitment toward another. That's our example, according to the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. The concept of the love of God is deeply rooted in the Bible. The Hebrew term kesed refers to the covenant love. Jehovah is the God who remembers and keeps his covenant in spite of the treachery of his people. His faithfulness in keeping his promises proves his love for Israel and for all humanity because he didn't have to. There's another word that I've seen and I and I I like ahava. It's human love towards another person of the opposite sex. Or it can be in someone in general, but it's a it's a love that God mentions in Jeremiah thirty one three. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. I have loved you with hachava and have drawn you with kisset. We are so desperate for love from others, a parent, a partner, when it all has to start from him. And this preference for one another, believe me, this has not been easy for me. I've had to learn it to where 33 years in, I think I finally get it, to give preference to another. It's It's the proof of the truth of the gospel, that the reality of God's love is the love that we believers have for one another. Biblical love, the example of God's love, what I'm speaking to you now, and I hope I'm imparting to you through my words, which are truly coming from my heart. It's the true motivator of who we are and what we do. It is the source of what we do. I know I've shared this with you, but my ministry that 
started out with the Lord of, of deliverance and setting people free of the demonic was a struggle. It was successful, but it was stressful. It took a lot out of me because it wasn't done in love. The minute I did it in love, it was quick. It was easy. That was the motivator. That was the power. It wasn't the power of anything I said. It wasn't the power of anything I did. It was his authority given to me, manifested to another person in his love. And that's why the world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't want it. Hasatan and the fallen don't want it. They want you to love the things of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life mentioned in 1 John chapter 2. But John mentioned that we were given a commandment. John 13.34 Yeshua said, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another just as I have loved you. You too should love one another. It was a sacrificial love. It was a patient love. See, Messiah is the model for the Father's love. A self-sacrificial love. And like I said before, I spent a lot of time with the Lord today. So I decided, you know what, let me, let me get, take a nap or get some rest. So I'm still dealing with um, uh, allergies, sinuses. You can hear it in the raspiness of my voice. I'm getting better. I'm finally dealing with it. Uh, finally went to the doctor after two weeks of fighting it. Naturally, I prayed about it. The Lord said, go. And so it's getting taken care of. So I was laying there. And I wasn't sleeping, of course, because I'm really caught up in this message, thinking about it. And I was praying. And I had just looked on my phone and seen a story about this puppy who had been abused by its owner. Its teeth kicked in. I've seen the stories like that. I've seen the stories about how people treat one another. Elderly man knocked down or a woman beaten with a bat for no reason. Well, except for the fact that it's evil. And as I was laying there, I began to talk to the Lord about how sad I was about this world. That it wasn't what he intended. It wasn't what he created. And how man, meeting Adam, screwed things up. And how the fallen angels, both Satan and his, and the fallen watchers in Genesis 6, took advantage of that, and they made things even worse. And how angry I was at those fallen angels for what they did. And I heard him say, as clear as a bell, you're angry. How do you think I feel? And I could hear the lilt in his voice, and I laughed out loud. But he was right. And he was using humor to remind me to keep it in perspective. You see, he's upset too. That's why he created his church. For us to make a difference. We are the change that he inspired. And we must be the change that he needs. 
That's what this message is about. And I may stick with this for a couple of weeks because warfare, being who we are in the kingdom of God, isn't about power, isn't about all the manifestation. You can have the sword of the Spirit, but if that handle is not love, then you do more damage than you do good. You must manifest the gifts and the fruit simultaneously, and that is the cohesive, explosive power that God is seeking from us. The change and the catalyst the world needs is a church, a living organism, a community of believers that is filled with his love, driven by that love, empowered by that love to set the captives free, to heal the sick, And destroy the work of the enemy. It's not about judgment. It's about redemption. As scripture said in John chapter 3. If it was about judgment. Then it would have happened. Yeshua wouldn't have had to die for our sins. The judgment is the final judgment. Judgment is the last resort. And that's why he saves it until the end. And I see people on social media, and I hear people talk about, oh, God's going to do this, and he's going to do that, and he's going to strike this person dead or strike that person down. He's going to destroy this or he's going to destroy that. And I am telling you, no, he is not until the final judgment comes, until the king of kings comes back. And when he sits upon the throne, that's when that will happen. Until then, it's our job as his church to take our eyes off the people and put it on the source of the evil. We don't battle with flesh and blood. We battle with the powers and the principalities and the rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual wickedness in high places. We battle with Hasatan and his angels. We battle with the offspring of the fallen watchers. That's our battle. But we should see people with the love that the Lord had and has for them. We need to stop judging people. I saw a video on social media. I wasn't sure I was going to mention this. I was waiting for the Spirit to release me. A video going around about a woman that was picked up by uh, border control agents. She was a uh, a mule smuggling people in, sitting in the van in handcuffs. And she's obviously demonically possessed because as they they ask her to pull her legs in so that they can close the door, she manifests. And you clearly see the manifestation of somebody demonically possessed. But all over Instagram, I see this video being shared. And the title is, This is What a Demon Look like, Looks Like. And if I could reach out to all of them, and I still may, I don't know yet, I want to say, no, that's not what a demon looks like. That is what a person in bondage who is demonically possessed looks like. You have never seen a demon because 99% of you, if you did, you'd pee your pants and your knees would buckle. But this is a person who's being destroyed from the inside out. Who, if they got set free and became whole, 
that video would haunt them forever. Where's the compassion? Where's the love? This is what's wrong with the church right now. We don't love like we used to or we should because so many of them have lost their first love. Philippians chapter 2 makes it very clear. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And God being found in appearance as a man, he, meaning Yeshua, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in with you, which was in Messiah Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Now, while I was speaking, the Lord was giving me notes, and he wanted me to go back to that woman in that video. And to all the people out there that have looked at that video and said what I said is in the video, that this is what a demon looks like, and the comments that were made, he would like to ask all of them to show him somewhere in the Bible that he did that. Where he showed those people anything less than loving compassion. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. I already read that to you out of Romans twelve nine, But I want to remind you of it so that I could say this. Behave like you know him. See, we represent one of two kingdoms. We either represent the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Father, or we represent the kingdom of the world, which is Hasatan's kingdom. Believers in Yeshua, those of us who say that we are born again and we believe in Him, are to represent Him and we are to love one another even as he loved us when we were unlovable. See, that was the thing I always struggled with, especially when I first got saved, because I was still a lot like the old New York Italian Richard. And I would tell the Lord sometimes how hard it was for me to live out that love. And, of course, he would remind me about how much he loved me, even during all the things I did. 
We're supposed to have the kind of love that the world doesn't understand. Mutual, affectionate, sacrificial love. The kind that should come in a healthy family. I didn't grow up with that. My mother loved me. It was a sacrificial love. But for the most part, as loving as our family was, her extended outward through my large Italian family, it was dysfunctional. It wasn't until I met the Lord that I learned what real love was. His love is in us through the Holy Spirit, and we cannot serve him or function in the kingdom of God without what I'm talking about. You can't be about your father's business. You can't evangelize. You can't minister. You can't feed the poor unless it's in love. You can't deal with the demonic unless it's in love, because I will tell you what, the enemy will take advantage of you if you do it that way. And I've seen people try to do it that way. I've seen the whole gamut of spiritual warfare. I used to see people show up at church with real swords strapped to their back, and I would go, what? First of all, it's very unsafe in a crowded church, but that's not the sword we're talking about. It's a sword held with a hand that's his hand. It's a loving hand. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. That's the power of love. When you sing to him, do it in love. When you pray to him, do it in love. You can get righteously angry and indignant at some of the things you're seeing in the world right now, but the focus of your prayer is not on that anger, but it's to take that and to see it through his eyes. See what's happening to his sons and his daughters. See what people are doing, bad decisions on every level. What's happening in the world. Pray in the Spirit, whether with understanding or the groanings that the Spirit brings to you, but do it in love. Even ask the Lord to pour it out from your heart. Let those words pour out from your heart. See, that was what triggered my prayer language. I know I've told you this, but there's a lot of new listeners out there. That was what triggered my prayer language. I was interceding for a cousin that was more like a brother who was dying in a hospital from the HIV virus. He didn't have full-blown AIDS, but the virus had settled in his brain and was separating the gray and the white matter. And I'd led him to the Lord and I'd prayed for him, but I was praying for God to heal him. And as I was walking down the street towards my apartment in Astoria, Queens, four o'clock in the afternoon, weeping, sobbing, crying out to God for my cousin. It took me a block or two, but I realized I was no longer speaking in English. The groanings that had come out of my mouth had triggered my prayer language because I was crying out to my Abba Father on behalf of my cousin. 
And to finish the story, if you don't already know, God's way of healing Bobby was taking him home. But he went home, born again. He was no longer a street criminal who had been in and out of jail. He was no longer pockmarked from acne. He was no longer had knife scars from all the gang fights he'd been in. He did not have bullet holes from all the times that he had been shot. The Lord allowed me to see Bobby step over. Perfect. Strikingly handsome. Smooth skin into the arms of what he'd always looked for his entire life. Unconditional love of the Lord. That's power. That's what Satan doesn't want you to show others or you to experience. So, Father, I'm not sure how much longer I can speak. So while I still can, let me pray. Father, I pray that they would know this love. I pray the Holy Spirit in them would begin to manifest that love, that feeling you have for them. I pray that they would put away all the preconceived notions, all the bad experiences in church, all the bad experience in relationships with parents, uh, loved ones, or otherwise. They would set it all aside, actually put it in a box, seal it up, and throw it away and fill their heart with your love. Deliver them from the wounds. Deliver them from the rejection. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, be delivered of all the pain, of all the hurts, and all the failures, and all the things this fallen world has done to you, and receive the love of your heavenly Father, your Abba Father, so that you can call him Abba, Papa, Daddy. And know why Yeshua did what he did, why he endured the scourging and the beating, why he endured the crucifixion, so that you could have that love and to walk in that love. And now once you get that love, begin to show it to others. Begin to give it away. Because the more you give it away, the more you get something supernatural about it, that the more you give away his love, it multiplies inside of you so that you have to give more of it away. And if you're not, you will go cold. We're going to talk about that next week. You will go cold. If you forget your first love, if you forget what he did for you on the cross, you will go cold. So, Lord, right now, anybody who has wandered into that path, I pray that you would embrace them from heaven right now in your glory. Reignite that fire in them. Lord, use us. Please, please use us.
Let us take this out into the world. And let us show them that for God so loved the world that he gave in love his only begotten Son, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face. Oh, oh boy, I'm not going to make it. Mm. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, his loving gaze upon you, and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.